This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author his current book, The Life of Yogananda. Uh, our guest today, uh, Arielle Ford. She is the sister of Debbie Ford, who is the author uh, of her latest book to be out, Your Holiness, Discover the Light Within. Uh, she has authored many other books, and it is a delight to have uh, uh, her sister, Arielle, on our show today. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I'm excited to be here. How are you guys? We are well, and we hope you are too. It's great to have you with us, Arielle. Um, let's begin. This is an unusual interview because the, uh, the book was published posthumously. Debbie uh, passed away about five years ago, and you saw to it that the book would be published, and therein uh, lies a story. So why don't you tell us how the book came to be, and tell us, for, for the sake of listeners who are not familiar with uh, Debbie and her work, uh, a, a bit about her as well. Sure. So um, Debbie was a number one New York Times bestselling author. That book was called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And she was um, the synthesizer of a process that she created called the Shadow Process, uh, a weekend workshop designed to have people uh, uncover, embrace, and find the gifts of their shadow side, their dark side, and also at the same time receive their light side. So she was a uh, self-help personal growth teacher who delved deeply into the psyche, into the emotions of what it is to be human and to learn to love ourselves. And she had a, a big global community. Uh, she trained hundreds and hundreds of coaches in shadow work and wrote nine books and was uh, fun and funny and amazing and died way too long, uh, way too young. She had a very rare terminal cancer, um, but she fought it like crazy and ended up living two and a half years longer than they said she could. So that's the short Debbie version. Right. Yeah, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, you mentioned uh, gifts of the dark side was one of the things that came out in her workshops and her writing. Give us an example for listeners that are not familiar with her work. What would be a gift of the, uh, of the dark side? Sure. So, so the example Debbie liked to give was her own personal example. So, so Debbie had quite a temper, and she could be a really nasty bitch at times. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> as, as I'm sure you as a sibling would know. Oh, yes. I was often on the other side of that. <laughs> And when she was, you know, working out what she believed to be true and not true about the shadow, she began to ask herself, well, what is the gift of being a bitch? Could there be a gift in that? Mm -hmm. And one of her hobbies that she most loved was to flip houses. She liked to take ugly old houses and gut them and remodel them and sell them. And she saw that being a bitch was really useful when she had to deal with the contractors and the carpenters and the electricians and the plumbers and the tile people because she was a perfectionist. So she was able to make peace with the fact that there was a part of her personality that was a bitch. You know, so, so what she would have you do is look at the ways that you would judge yourself, whether it's for being angry or jealous or envious or a procrastinator or whatever it is, and look and see where in your life those things had served you. 
and find the gift of them so you weren't always judging yourself. So that's that's a really mm-hmm. super short intro level to shadow work. But um, her belief, which she learned from you know Carl Jung, who first identified the shadow, was that we have within us the ability to be all things. So we can express love and light and compassion and generosity, and we can also express anger, greed, envy, whatever, and that there's good in all of it. Very good. And um, she became well-known for a series of books and and for uh, her work around uh, the shadow, as you said. Um, But there was a deep spiritual side of her as well, from what I understand, and uh, that probably came through in her work as well. Is that correct? Yes, um, and that that really developed when she uh, decided to get off drugs and get sober, which is where the book really begins. But before I tell you about the book, I want to just briefly tell you the crazy story of how we found them. Yes, please. It's, yeah. It is crazy, and mm-hmm. I love it's it. Tor- it's it's right. a one-of-a-kind story. <laughs> so um, Debbie and I have been friends with James Von Prague for decades. And for the couple of people listening who've never heard of James Von Prague, he's the world's most famous medium, the guy who talks to dead people. The movie The Sixth Sense was about his life. The TV series Ghost Whisperer was about his life. And he is an absolute master at talking to dead people. And a little more than a year ago, he called me up to tell me that he had moved to San Diego, where we live. And He said, you know, I'd love for you and your husband and your mom to come see my new house, and then I'll give you a reading with Debbie. And, of course, we said yes, because he's so famous that you can't actually buy a reading with him. You know, it's not possible anymore. He just talks to huge groups of people at a time. So we go up there. We get the grand tour of his amazing estate. He's out in Rancho Santa Fe, for those of you who know San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then he sat down, and Debbie came through instantly. And the first thing she said was, Ariel, you have to write a prayer book with me. And I said, no way. (laughs) I don't want to write my own books, let alone write your books. And she's like, no, 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 you have to write a prayer book with me. It's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. So then other dead relatives came through. We had this whole reading. But every five minutes, Debbie would pop back in and say, Ariel, you have to write a prayer book with me. And I was like, no, Debbie, it's not going to happen. Anyway, the reading goes on for 90 minutes. <laughs> this is like a family reunion. Right. She's not, she's not giving up. And finally, I just said to James, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this unless you're going to help me because you can hear her and I can't. And I write books about finding love and keeping love, not prayer books. So finally, I just said, okay, Debbie, yes. I don't know how, but yes because she was very persistent and very bossy. So we're driving home, and my husband says, you know, I spent so much time with your sister at the end of her life. I took her to all her doctor's appointments and her chemo treatments, and we were together for hours and days. And he said, I remember sometimes she would talk about some prayers that she had written. Why don't you call her office? Maybe somebody there has copies of these prayers. And that would be a start thinking, oh, okay, great, makes perfect sense. I get home, I send her office a one-sentence email that says, do you by chance have copies of any prayers that Debbie wrote? 
And the answer comes back, oh, I can do better than that. She wrote an entire manuscript, and I've attached it. Wow. So I'm now freaking out, because I was her literary agent. <laughs> if she wrote a book, I would know about it. I knew about everything, but I'd never heard about this prayer book. So I open it up. I start to read it. It's 200 pages, fully edited, brilliantly written. It's the best thing she's ever written. I'm like going, oh, my God, where did this come from? So I pick up the phone, and I call her editor at Harper One, Gideon. I'm like, Gideon, hey, it's Arielle. How are you? And he stops me, and he says, oh, Arielle, I'm so glad you called. For the last four years, I've been feeling so guilty. Your sister always wanted to write a prayer book, and I always talked her out of it. (laughs) And I said, well, today's your redemption, Gideon. Check your inbox. I just sent you the book. Wow. yeah, wow, so what a three story. days later, they bought the book. Wow. And the book came out last week, and it's beyond brilliant. It's called Your Holiness, Discover the Light Within. And it's more than a prayer book. It's a very prescriptive book that is filled with original prayers by her and Emmett Fox and Rumi and Marianne Williamson, but it's mostly a narrative of how prayer saved her life from being a drug addict and how you, as the reader, can save your own life from whatever it is you're dealing with, whether it's a heart addiction, a soft addiction, self-doubt, self-loathing, procrastination, misery, whatever it is, this book will change your life. Uh, Ariel, I'm, I'm curious, were, uh, you and, and Debbie, were your uh, spiritual paths similar, uh, the timing on them the same? Did, did you walk that path together? Was it very different? Uh, uh, did you come together more at the end of her life, uh, spiritually? How, how did that go as uh, siblings? Yeah. Well, it was actually pretty, pretty much uh, on the same track because after she got out of her final treatment center where she finally did get sober <clears throat> and started really exploring uh, psych- her psychological makeup and exploring spirituality, I at the same time was a book publicist representing Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson and a whole bunch of other people. So I was reading those books. She's reading the big book and exploring, you know, early childhood stuff. And, uh, God, what was that guy's name who, who did the PBS series? John, John. Bradshaw? John Bradshaw, right? So we're watching John Bradshaw stuff together. So it was really a simultaneous track, because I remember at one point uh, she had just come out of some other workshop, and, and she said to me, you know, you're really angry. And I said, I am not angry. Nobody's going to agree with you that I'm angry. She goes, no, I know you're really angry because I'm really angry, and we grew up in the same house. You're really angry. <laughs> it's like, Debbie, if you don't stop telling me I'm angry, you're going to piss me off. <laughs> so, so we were constantly learning and then sharing what we had learned. Fascinating. Um, tell me, just briefly going back to that experience with James von Prague, um, how stunned were you? Did, were, were, did this in any way conflict with how you see the world and reality? Did it, uh, was, it, was the experience itself transformative? Did you um, accept 
the possibility of communication with those who have already passed? Well, I had, I had always accepted that part, and I had had previous readings with both James and other mediums talking to Debbie. But what this did, I mean, for one thing, I, I had such a hard time getting over the fact that she wrote an entire book that I didn't know about. Yeah. Right? That was astounding to me. But when I thought about the last two years of her life, Every time we talked, it was never about books. It was about her pain level and experimental treatments and what she needed and what she wanted and what could we do to make her more comfortable or what crazy thing was she going to do next. Because what she kept doing up until the end was she would, she would go and teach a workshop and then she'd go to bed for six weeks until she had enough energy to get out of bed for two days and teach. And then she'd go back to bed. So she was always doing these crazy things. So the thing with James was just, you know, like it couldn't have been more clear once we found the manuscript that he definitely had a direct line to her Mm. in a way that I would like to have. And I do hear her sometimes, but not the way James does. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ariella, are you you still working as a a book publicist? I assume you are. And, and what no, are you? No, no, no. I, reti- I retired in two thousand and four. What is God. your What is your focus <laughs> now on? Um, well, I just got to the point where I had I had done it for many years. I had represented every single spiritual thought leader, self help <laughs> author I ever loved. I, Not me. Well, but your book's just coming out, and I can't wait to read your book because <laughs> no, I love yoga. There were many in the past, but no, I'm kidding you. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but no, I just got to a point where I just <laughs> knew it was time to stop. Like I had, I believe that I came in with sacred contracts for all of the authors I worked with, mm. and then when I, my final author, my last one was Lynn Twist, who wrote mm. The Full of Money. Yeah, we, she's been and on the I, show. She's been on our show. Well, mm. she, you know how phenomenal she was, and I knew that she was my last author. Huh. I, I knew that my contracts were done, and it was time to move on. What I didn't know was that it was also my time to become a teacher, mm. and that's when The Soulmate Secret came out, and I started getting offers to teach at the Chopra Center and Omega Kripalu, you know, Esalen and all those places, and it just was necessary for me to come out from behind the scenes and and do what I'm now meant to do, which is something I love. I teach people how to find love, keep love, and be loved. And we, we, did that new phase of your life um, begin while Debbie was still also active in teaching? And did yes, you she work was together? The, she was the catalyst. I had never, ever in a million years dreamed of doing anything like that. And we were on a cruise with 200 of her coaches, and she was leading them through the whole thing. And one day she just said, you know, I want you to come up here on stage and share with my coaches how you manifested your soulmate using the law of attraction. So I got up and did this 45-minute extemporaneous talk, and the next thing I knew, about 150 people were coming at me saying, hey, I want to read that book. Uh. Uh, so she she was the start of it. She actually foresaw my future way before I did because it was never on my to-do list. I mean, I had written books already, but they were different kinds of books. I, I never wanted to become a speaker, teacher, expert. And I'm glad that it happened because I really enjoyed doing it, but it was a really big surprise. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, Ariel, uh, yeah, somebody's listening to us now on the podcast, 
and uh, they get inspired about hearing uh, you speak about spirituality, about about, about growth, about uh, love. Uh, and but they're they're sitting in their home and they're maybe a little depressed or they're a little confused. But they want more in their life. They want to go deeper. They want spirituality. They want a deeper love. Uh, what do you recommend to them? Where do they start? Where do they go? The place to start is to get a piece of paper and a pencil and write down all of the people in your life that you love that love you. Okay? Because my definition of a soulmate is somebody that you can completely be yourself with, somebody with whom you share unconditional love, and when you look into their eyes, you have the feeling of being home. So that would fit a lot of people. It might be your parents, your kids, your siblings, your best friend, your coworkers, your cats, your dogs, your neighbors. Make that list of those people that you know love you and that you love. And then create your own practice. So every day you spend time in gratitude, thanking God, Goddess, the universe, whoever it is you believe in, thanking them and being grateful for all the love you already have and fill yourself up with all of that love. And then, once you begin to do that on a regular basis, your heart becomes magnetic to bringing in romantic love, in addition to having all that love. Because as long as you're living in, uh, I don't have anybody to love, I'm lonely, love is missing, I'm a loser when it comes to love, I'm unlucky in love, I'm undeserving in love, as long as you're allowing yourself to feel those feelings and have those thoughts, you are going to make that be your reality. That is what you're going to attract into your life. So Very we first good. have to reprogram ourselves. Now, this isn't to say you're not going to have moments of doubt and those thoughts aren't going to come back. But as my good friend Wayne Dyer always said, don't believe every thought that you have. Mm -hmm. Just because you have the thought, I have no love doesn't make it true. Right, right. Let, let me follow up though. And, and let, let's yeah. say somebody, let's say somebody, the, their goal is not to find a soulmate, not, not to, to find someone so much to love them, but to, to more uh, deeply understand and experience their life. Are there spiritual practices, and maybe that's one, for the, the, the focus on gratitude that, that you might recommend somebody start with? Oh, well, you know, I've tried them all, <laughs> uh -huh. and, I, and I recommend that people do try them all, because you have to, one mm -hmm. size doesn't fit all, right. you know, like I learned TM a million years ago, and I sucked at it, mm -hmm. you know, all it did was make me anxious and nervous, you know, I finally had to give it up, I finally had to realize that, you know, forced mantra meditation two times for 20 minutes every day wasn't for me. What did I do instead? I tried lots of different things. I finally discovered the work of the Institute of Heart Math and doing a heart lock-in where I could take my consciousness from my head into my heart, mm -hmm. re-experience love and appreciation and gratitude, which would calm me down and soothe me and put me into a loving oneness state. And that's what worked for me. But you need to try it all. Go to mindfulness classes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a million free things on YouTube. What is it that you need? You know, when I needed to learn forgiveness, you know, I had tried all different kinds of processes, but it wasn't until I learned Ho'oponopono that I was actually able to really forgive somebody. Where I, when I was able to join my consciousness with 
their consciousness and repeat over and over, I love you, please forgive me, I'm sorry, and thank you. And I could be with the oneness that we are with the other person, then I could get to forgiveness. So there's no shortage of amazing tools and processes out there, but you need to do some forward action. You need to not hope, wish, wait, and dream. You need to take some action, even if it's just going onto YouTube and finding three videos a day to watch till you find the one that speaks to you. Right. Very good. Uh, Ariel, about um, your holiness, <laughs> not that I'm that's what, that's what we call Phil these days. Yeah, go ahead. You can call me that. That's fine. I also respond well to Queen. <laughs> about the book, Deb, your sister's book, Your Holiness, Discover the Light Within. Um, the, the prayers that the book is centered around, um, evidently, uh, Debbie had uh, a very strong and dedicated uh, prayer life. And in, in the description of the book, uh, and, and I think you mentioned that it was p- a prayer and the power of prayer that um, was transformative in her life uh, and got her out of uh, the darkness of addiction. Um, how did she understand what prayer is? Um, what forms of prayer did she use? Uh, and how did, would she have explained um, the effectiveness of prayer in her life and others? Well, she initially began to use prayer to alleviate pain. And as she was in her fourth treatment center, thinking about leaving, knowing that if she left and did drugs anymore, she was going to die, and she locked herself in a bathroom and what she described as a filthy, dirty floor, sobbing hysterically and praying, praying to God as she knew God to help her find the strength to spend one more day in the treatment center. And after a time... She said she felt a sense of calm and peace descend upon her, and she realized that she could stay one more day. And she began to see that whenever she felt pain or was in fear, that when she put her attention on God, on the divine part of herself, on the holy part of herself, that she could once again experience this sense of peace and calm and serenity because she said it was moving her attention from fear to love. And that was just her day-to-day practice. And when I asked um, Julie Stroud, who now runs the Ford Institute and was the one who sent me the manuscript, I asked her, I said, Julie, when did Debbie write this book, this book that I knew nothing about? And it had been um, several years prior to the reoccurrence of her cancer when she was going through a really bad breakup with somebody who turned out to be a very nasty sociopath and it was just wreaking havoc with her life. And Julie said every morning she would go into her little mini uh, radio studio she had at her house and get on her hands and knees and pray. And it was then that the prayers started to come through her and she started to write all of this. Um, So I think for Debbie... Prayer was her direct connection, her direct ascent into heaven, the way to connect with her highest, most holy self. Mm-hmm. Now, let me follow up in a second, Dennis. Um, 
many people, when they hear the word prayer, they think of uh, what theologians call a petitionary prayer, right. where you're asking right. uh, a deity. Dear God, send me a BMW. Yeah, please. Yeah, right. Won't you give me my Mercedes Benz? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> the Janis Joplin Stop School of yeah. Prayer. Right, exactly. Uh, but um, that's not all that prayer is or can be. Um, and in looking at the uh, the prayers in, in the book, in Your Holiness, I see, you know, they, they are very different. And some sound like affirmations, some sound like uh, prayers of praise and thanksgiving. So um, how did, um, did she talk about or did she write about in the book uh, those different forms of prayer, and how would you characterize the ones she uh, formulated? You know, I think they're all of the things you just said. Some are affirmations, some are prayers of solicitation, some are prayers of gratitude. And I think what Debbie would say, if I'm hearing her whisper to me correctly, is that it's not important to name what kind of prayer it is. It's just important to open your heart to the divine. Ariel, your sister... Uh, struggled with addiction and i'm sure a lot of folks have, have gone went to her for advice in terms of dealing with it or having a loved one deal with it uh, what was her opinion of of alcoholics anonymous and their program okay well there aren't many people i would have this conversation with but i trust you guys and your audience that you're sophisticated enough to deal with it so here's really how she got on the journey to discovering the shadow she had been in N.A. for a couple of years. N.A. Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she said that as she would go to the meetings and stand up and say, Hi, my name's Debbie and I'm a drug addict. It began to feel wrong and inauthentic for mm -hmm. her because she had done so much healing right. work. And this was at a time in the very early 90s. I had just started working with Deepak and Wayne, and I was always sending her cassette tapes of theirs. And she said, I listened to that last tape of Deepak's that you sent me, and he was talking about how the human body can heal uh, from cancer and other nasty diseases and all the cells in the body change and you really are whole and healed she said if that's true and i believe it is then i know that i as an addict can also become whole and healed and that is my goal she said i won't use drugs again but i do need to stop going and doing what i consider a negative affirmation where i stand up and declare my name's debbie and i'm a drug addict mm -hmm. And we, she never mm -hmm. had this conversation publicly because she didn't in any way, shape, or form want to discourage people from using the 12-step program, which did help her, which she did use. But she could see how easily it would be for somebody to hear her say right. that and say, well, Debbie Ford said that all I have to do is embrace my shadow and know that all the cells are changed and I'm now healed. So she didn't want a target on her back, nor did she want anybody to drop out of having a 12-step program. But that is honestly, that was the catalyst for her own healing, which became the basis of the shadow work. Interesting. How interesting. And we should point out that um, the book is not just a collection of prayers, but in, in uh, at least most, if not all, instances, uh, these uh, brief chapters begin with a prayer, 
and not all written by Debbie. I see that right. there are prayers by other people. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm looking at one from Yogananda, actually. Um, and yeah, the, book is, the book is actually very prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So she uses the narrative of her addiction and what she did to become whole and healed and how prayer played a role in that. But it's also very inspirational. You know, like one of the, the sections I really enjoy is when she talks about how we as human beings are like uh, websites, you know, so we can go to, you know, fear.com. Or <laughs> That's great. Well, well put. I like that. that. Yeah. What she called the, lo- the low-level.coms. Right. But she said there are high vibrational dot coms like joy dot com and happiness dot com and passionate self expression dot com dot com or peace of mind dot com and she says it's your click. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And you and you have the choice of where to click. Right. So she really one of the things she did with this book is she infused it. I call it coding. She coded and infused this book with love and hope and inspiration and people have told me that when they read it they can feel the love coming off the pages you know that that it's a book of healing and hope because all of us are addicts some of us have heart addictions some have soft addictions some just have addiction to suffering which nobody ever talks about, or right. what Debbie would call your story. You're mm. not going to give up your story. Right. Oh, I was abandoned and abused, therefore uh-huh. at 67 I'm still not married because I'm not lovable. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well well put. Uh, uh, Ariel, thank you so very much for your time. Phil, a- 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 any final questions? And uh, uh, Ariel, any final points you'd like yeah, to make? Yeah, you so know, for- one thing yeah. I want to let people know yeah is that if they go to debbieford.com, they can learn all about the book there. Uh, If they buy the book, we are giving away all these bonuses. So one of the bonuses is a half-hour video where I interview Debbie about the book via James von Prague. Wow. Yes, it was quite something. She goes really deep dish Mm -hmm. on what she's learned about love, judgment, and forgiveness on the other side. Um, there's a collection of her audio meditations. There is the opportunity to win a reading with James Von Prague, and there's also a chance to win access to the weekend shadow process. So, you know, if this is at all interesting to you, please check out DebbieFord.com. And there's also something called the Ford Institute. Yes, yes, and there's access to that at that same site. So the Ford Institute... Uh, keeps the shadow process going. In fact, there's one next weekend in Los Angeles, and there's many others coming up. And then she has coaching programs, and she's trained a lot of people who want to uh, learn how to love, accept, and embrace and find the gifts of their shadow. Well, thank you, uh, Ariel, for taking the time and and, uh, carrying on your sister's uh, legacy. I'm sure she's pleased and (laughs) proud. Uh and um, keep up the good work. Right. Yeah, and, and thank you. Ma- and, uh, Go ahead. Let me know when I can read your book. I want to read the Yogananda. You can, the um, Life of Yogananda. Order it now. <laughs> it, okay. <laughs> I'm ordering it right now on Amazon. Right. It's a deal. So that's the life of uh, uh, that's the life of Yogananda. And again, the book, Your Holiness, uh, Discover the Light Within, Debbie Ford. Thank you so very much, Ariel. All right. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye.